Oh, what a beautiful time it is. Good morning, everyone. Aloha. Um, if you are in the youth, I guess you're already gone. <laughs> um, they're going to be meeting right now as they uh, partook in some of the worship this morning. Um, why don't you grab your Bibles and open them up to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And we'll get back into our study here. Uh, it's so sweet, so nice, so soothing to be able to worship the Lord. And I guess I say that a lot, but it, it is it is such a wonderful time that we can sit in the presence of God. And I hope that this morning you can be the Mary, you know, not the Martha. I hope, Martha, I hope your minds aren't uh, being drawn to other things, maybe worries or things or maybe what you're going to do today or what happened yesterday what's going to happen this week but let this be a time for you to just focus in on the lord and sit at god's feet at jesus's feet just like mary did and so that's what we're going to do as we get into god's word this morning all right so revelation 20 let's begin with the word of prayer god we sit before you right now in grace lord we thank you for your grace that has allowed us to be here. Your grace that gives us another breath for this day. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve this time. But Lord, I ask that you would take this time, Lord, and speak to us. That you would use this as an opportunity in our lives as our hearts are laid before you, as our focus is upon you and our attention is fully on you right now. If there's anyone here that is being uh, distracted, God, I pray that you just, by your Holy Spirit right now, bring us back to you. Lord, it's been so sweet to just sit in your worship right now. and God, we want that sweetness to last. We want to linger here. And so, God, by your grace, for we are unworthy people, but by your grace, we ask, that you would speak, that you would hear our hearts as we cry out to you and long for a word from you, God, that your Holy Spirit would anoint this time. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about how when a little boy got home from church, his mother asked him what he had learned in Keiki Church that morning. Well, the boy, with really, real great excitement, said, Now, Mom, listen to this. Pharaoh and his army chased the children of Israel all the way to the Red Sea. And then they were trapped there. So Moses radioed his army to build a pontoon bridge, and the people of Israel were able to cross the Red Sea over to the other side during the night. But the next morning, the little boy said, the Egyptian army came with their M1 tanks and all their troops and missiles in their armies. As they were crossing the bridge, Moses got his walkie-talkie out and radioed an airstrike. So the Israeli Air Force flew in with their F-16s and dropped bombs on the bridge and all the Egyptian army and all their military drowned in the Red Sea. Well, the mom was taken back. The mom was kind of questioning, and he asked, Is that really what the teacher taught you today? And the boy replied, Well, not exactly, but if I told you the way she, she said it happened, you would never believe it. 
Well, sometimes it's hard to believe, right? Sometimes it's hard to take in the things that we read in the Bible, the, the events that have happened there, but we understand that this is God's truth, right? We believe it's happens happen as it is written here. And you know what? Today, as we return to our study in the book of Revelation, we have to believe that what we read that is going to happen will happen, and we can find hope and joy in that. We come back to the book of Revelation. We find here this morning the end of the millennium, and at the end of the millennium, Satan is actually released, but it will be his last effort to deceive the world into the last rebellion. That's the title of our message this morning, The Last Rebellion, The Last Rebellion. Now, we're going to pick it up from where we left last, from verse 7. Now, we, we went all the way to verse 6 last time, and now we're going to go from verse 7 through verse 10 in our study this morning. So, Revelation 20, verse 7 through 10. Title, once again, is The Last Rebellion. The Last Rebellion. Now, we're going to see here three things, and this is really part of our points this morning. Our outline is this. Number one, the scheduled release. Number two, the strong deception. And number three, the season finale. And I like to call it that. This is the season finale we're going to see. So, the last rebellion, we come into this at the end of the millennium. And number one, we're going to look at the scheduled release in our outline. Number one, the scheduled release. Now, we're going to be covering just verse 7 here in this first heading, under this first heading. So, take a look with me here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. It says, And when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from his prison. Now, we're going to sit on this verse for a moment. We begin here with John writing what happened at the end of the thousand years, which is, remember, the millennium. We learned the word millennium last week comes from two Latin words, mille, which is a thousand, and annum, or uh, annum, that, how we put it together, is years. So this is 1,000 years, and last time we saw that it was a whole new world, this millennium, where Jesus Christ ruled and reigned literally on the earth when he returned at the end of the tribulation. So here we are. We talked about a whole new world, the millennium, the thousand years. And now as we come to verse 7, John says, well, let me, let me show you what I learned, what's going to happen at the end of the millennium. So when the millennium ended, what happened is very shocking. I mean, when I first read this years ago, I thought, wait, what, what? It's very shocking because at the end of the millennium, we read here in verse 7 that Satan will be released from his prison. Remember, his prison is the abyss. We learned this in Revelation 20 from verses 1 through 3. We learned that that's the abyss, the bottomless pit. It is hell where this fallen angel was locked in by that mighty angel. Remember, he had the keys and this great chain and handcuffed them and threw them and locked them into this prison. So at the end of the thousand years, that was at the beginning of the thousand years, at the end of the thousand years now, Satan is released. And the big question really I mentioned last week is, why? Why on earth is he let out on earth? What, what, what is going on here? Now, I'm going to give you two answers to that question. And 
Number one is this. This was the scheduled release of Satan in accordance to the sovereign plan of God. So this was the scheduled release. It, it, it was something that God sovereignly planned, and he has a purpose in all of that, and we'll talk about that next. But this was the scheduled release of Satan in accordance to the sovereign plan of God. Look up the over or, or turn over to uh, Revelation 20, verse 3. Uh, reminding you of last week, verse 3 says, The angel threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. But then it goes on. Until what? The thousand years were ended. So we already knew that was pre-planned. This was a sovereign plan of God. After that, verse 3, he must be released for a little while. So he must, remember I, I pointed it out, he must be released because this is all in accordance to the sovereign plan of God. So understand, first of all, this is the scheduled release of Satan. It was not that Satan got probation, you know, for good behavior or anything. It, it wasn't that at all. No, it was not some mistake made in his paperwork. Like, oh no, they released him. What, what, what's going on? Satan? God, why would you release him? It was not that Satan escaped and somehow dug his way out of hell. It wasn't that at all. Satan's release was done under, you know what? God's control. It was all in accordance to the plan of God that he had. Sometimes, if we think, stop and think about this, God will sovereignly allow Satan or his demons loose on our life. Sometimes he will. Sometimes that happens. But do not fret, because what we see here was already mentioned back in verse 3, and now we see it happening at the end of the millennium. Do not fret, because it's not like Satan has escaped, or God has, he broke his change, and God's like, oh no, what am I going to do? we got to go after him. we got to capture him. He's, he's escaped. No, he, he, it's not that Satan has outwitted God. And so Satan is allowed to bring spiritual warfare in your life. That Satan is allowed loose in your life. It's not that at all. Satan's actions are always under the sovereign control of God. So understand that. The, the Lord may allow him to do things. I mean, think about Job, right? The book of Job, right? Satan was allowed, right, to, to, to take away his family, to bring some sickness upon him. Um, that was a whole book of Job and what we read in chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the book of Job. So we must allow it, right? If anything, even if we don't understand it fully, if anything, we must allow it for this reason that God is sovereign and he's in control of your life. And so with that, we believe in God's sovereignty. We believe he is the ruler of the earth. He rules over our lives. And especially as Christians, as children of God, he's our father who's taking care of us. And so we have to trust in God's plan. So, first of all, understand this was a scheduled release of Satan all in accordance to the sovereign plan of God. So that's the first answer here. Why did, why did God release Satan here? Why Just leave him in there already, yeah? But no, 
This was a scheduled release. God is in control here. Okay, so we see God scheduled Satan's release. But let me give you a second answer to the why. Number two is the scheduled release of Satan will be the final and greatest test for humanity. And that's what really we come to this understanding here, is that the scheduled release of Satan will be the final and greatest test for humanity. Now, let me give you this picture, right? Last time we saw a, a whole new world had, had come upon the, this, the planet at the end of the tribulation when Jesus returned. We know that the earth is restored. I mentioned that, right? Think about this. No more climate crisis. No more droughts. No more food shortages. No more weather events that harm lives. No more environmental problems. No more. Think about this curse upon the planet. I was thinking about this the other day. Wow, that's going to be great, Lord. No more weeds. No more pulling weeds yeah, in a garden. No more centipedes. Oh, thank you. No more mosquitoes, I believe, too. Yeah. So the world is totally restored. A whole new world. With, it's paradise on earth. I mentioned that. It's like Genesis, right? Before the fall, before the curse. It was all... It's like restored in that way before Adam and Eve sinned. So the earth is restored. And then the society is finally at peace. The society on earth, people are truly at peace. No more war, no more racial tensions, no more class discriminations, yeah? no more rich or poor, no more crime. Think about that. No more people harming each other. No more assaults. No more murders. No more extortion and cheating and, and, and that kind of evil wickedness going on. No more, no more vices. No more addictions, things to be addicted to, drugs, alcohol, all of that. And there's no more sickness. There's no more disease. Everyone is healthy. And so our whole society holds to morals yeah good morals our whole society cares for each other we've reached that 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 time of i mentioned last week utopia on the earth this is paradise truly and our society is living in peace and so not only is the earth restored not only are we in this utopia society is at peace but also the ruling government Government is truly righteous and rules in righteousness. We know that, right? Because as I mentioned, Jesus, God, is literally ruling on the earth. No more politicians, quote unquote, yeah, doing things because they're hungry for power or money or, or no more lies, yeah? no more manipulation, no more stories, no more scamming, you know, political scamming, no more abuse of power over the people. And as I mentioned, no war because of that, no conflict between countries, because there's one government, and that is Jesus Christ, and he rules purely and perfectly in all righteousness. So think about that world, this whole new world, right? For 1,000 years, yeah, Satan is locked up. For the millennium, he is not out there bringing in evil or wickedness at all. He can't do any of that. For 1,000 years, all will live in a perfect world. But in God's sovereign plan, in this schedule release, 
God releases Satan at the end of the thousand years and humanity is tested again. And I say again because think about Genesis 1, right? Genesis 2. How the world was perfect. Yeah? The, 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 the planet was perfect. There's Adam and Eve living, but they were tempted and fell in Genesis 3. So now here, for 1,000 years, the earth is restored. We have many people living there. Not just two, like Adam and Eve, but many people. There's a perfect society. Yeah? Family relationships are perfect now. The earth is restored. Uh, government is perfect because Jesus is there. He doesn't allow anything. He, he, he rules in righteousness and justice, as scriptures tell us. And then Satan's release. Why? So that humanity would be tested again. Now, you may, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute. Let, um, we're, we're tested again? Remember I mentioned, right, that at the end of the tribulation, when Jesus returns, he will what? separate the sheep from the goats. We talked about that last time, right? The, the righteous will go on living in the millennium, at the end of tribulation. And I, was, I would say that includes the Jewish believers who've been hiding out in Petra, God been protecting, the 144,000 Jewish missionaries. And if there's even any tribulation saints, Gentiles, who came to believe in Jesus after the rapture, after the beginning of the tribulation, if they're even still alive, they're going to go on living, right? I mentioned that. And us believers, right, we're going to be in our glorified bodies, living side by side with them. We'll be helping Jesus in the administration, the ruling of Jesus in the millennium time. So, What's going to go on here? It seems like we, it's just all believers. It's everyone who believes in Jesus. And we, as believers, we're, we have our glorified bodies. We cannot sin, right? So if Satan's released and goes out to test uh, believers again, you know who he's testing? He's testing believers in their physical bodies. Remember, there's going to be believers still living in their physical bodies, and there's going to be us in our glorified bodies living side by side. But those who are in their physical bodies still are attached to that sinful nature, the sinful flesh. So they will still be uh, tempted. Now, I think what will happen is as the years go by, right, the people who have their physical bodies, those believers, they're going to have children, and their children are going to grow up, and their children are going to have children, and their children are going to have children. The population is going to just, just, just mushroom because people are living a long, long time, as I mentioned last time. So after a thousand years, can you imagine how many people living in their physical bodies are on the earth? Can you imagine how many generations, yeah, even, even if you have one or two generations every hundred years, that, that's a lot of generations and a lot of people. And, and, and think about this. By the time the end of the thousand years come, they're going to be living on earth. A new group of people who were born during the millennium. And perhaps these people will not 
remember what it was like before. That's, that's what I see at this time. That's why Satan is released. That's why there's a test of humanity once again. I believe throughout the millennium, as we do today, there will be a choice for people to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to be saved, to have eternal life. And, and I would guess the generations early on would have a strong belief in Jesus Christ. Just like think about Genesis. Yeah? The early generations, they knew the story of Adam and Eve. They knew God. Yeah? They knew God is creator and all of that. But I believe at the end of the millennium, there will be those who are strained, perhaps in their heart, from what their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents had experienced. The stories of old, the ancient stories of a thousand years ago. And I believe there will be those who knew not Joseph. Remember in Exodus 18, a new pharaoh came? And in Exodus 18, it says, oh, Pharaoh came who knew not Joseph. And so I think that at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be a big group of people we'll see that aren't totally with God. Now, Jesus is ruling. It's, a, it's God ruling, and he is just and righteous, and he's not going to allow yeah, any crime, anything going on. And, and so here's these people, but perhaps inside, there's still something going on. So if you understand that, then you can see how here at this point comes the latest and greatest test for humanity, where people have been living in a perfect world, right? Where, 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 where the planet is perfect, restored, beautiful, where where society is perfect, people caring, loving on each other, relationships are good, uh, a society where God himself is literally ruling, where everything is perfect. And here's the test, just like back in the garden. Sadly, we're going to see that humanity will fail this test as it was back in the garden. In answering the question of why Satan is released, Warren Worsby wrote this, as final proof that the heart of man is desperately wicked and can be changed only by God's grace. I think that's so good. It's this final proof. Yeah? It's this final test. It's this final show that, you know what, we cannot do anything in of ourselves to rid ourselves and to be good before God. We cannot. Perhaps you're being tested right now. This is what this is. We're reading about a test. Maybe you're test, being tested right now. Maybe the trial that you're going through, maybe the attack, the spiritual attack you're going through, you know, it's a test. It's a test for you to see what your choices are going to be. You know, it's a test. It's like, you know, in school when you have that pop quiz. Remember in school and you get a pop quiz? And, and a lot of times, what, what was it? It, it? it was something to show you how much you have learned so far. Yeah? How much you have retained so far those pop quizzes. So sometimes God gives us this pop quiz, this, this test, this trial to show us where we're at. Oh, 
You know what, God, I do still need you. To remind us that I can't do this in my own strength. To remind us that, wow, Lord, I need your grace. I live by your grace. I, I, it's not me. It, it, it's you. It's what you have worked in my life. That I cannot do it on my own and I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. And perhaps you're going through a test today. Perhaps the enemy's attacks and oppression are fierce. Maybe the temptations have been so strong. Maybe you failed. But in God's grace and, and by Christ's blood he shed on the cross, you can be forgiven today. Know that. Know that. Know that you can be forgiven. It doesn't make excuse for your sin. It, it doesn't make excuse, well, the devil made me do it kind of thing. No, you made that choice. But in this test, and even if you fail, you know what God's saying? Look, I still love you. See my love? I'm, I'm the one who's giving you grace. It's not you who made yourself. And I'm here for you to continue to help you walk with me. So think about what you're facing. Perhaps it's a test you're in the middle of. And if it is, think about the choices that you need to make. Jeremiah, remember, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So that's why we need Jesus, right? All right, well, this is what Satan does in the last rebellion. And it all happens from God's scheduled release to test humanity. Let's go on to number two now, the strong deception, the strong deception. Now here we're going to cover verses 8 through the first part of 9. So let's look at that now. It says here in verse 8, Revelation 20, and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And we'll stop right here. Now, straightway, verse 8, the devil, he goes out. He, he will come out and deceive the nations. And that talks about all the people in the earth. He's going to go out to, to tempt everyone, to deceive them, to, talk, to, to influence them, to bring a strong deception. Now, right away, I think, you know, the thousand years of lockup for him didn't re rehabilitate him, right? He didn't change at all. He goes out against God once again and against God's people. So he goes out, we read here in verse 8, to the four corners of the earth. Now, that's not saying the earth is flat. It's just talking about the four points on the compass, north, south, uh, east and west. That, that's all that means. He goes. All, it's a figure speech. He goes all around the whole world to what? Well, we read here to gather up uh, uh, an army for battle, basically. And mentioned here is Gog and Magog. Now, we know those titles or those names from Ezekiel 38. 39, it's mentioned there. But this is different. Some feel like that, well, this is, this is uh, when all that happens. But 
if you really study the circumstances around the things surrounding these two battles, they're, they're, they're different. One's more in a mountain, this is going to be in a plain, uh, so on and so forth. So um, I, I believe that the Ezekiel 38-39, Gog and Magog, is talking about that attack on Israel right at the start or right, uh, right before the tribulation begins, right there. But this now, this battle... This army that Satan gathers for battle, Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog mentioned here uh, is more like a title, a general title of nations, of people groups who have gone against God and his people, specifically Israel, specifically Jerusalem. So I believe this is just a general title talking about, oh, here we go again. Here we go quote-unquote, Gog, here we go, Magog, again, gathering, Satan's gathering up this Gog and Magog, quote-unquote, as an army to go against God, to rebel against Jesus and his kingdom. And so, for me, it's like, here we go, here's the same song again. He's playing the same song. Notice at the end of verse 8, it says, their number is like the sand of the sea. This is the strong deception. This is the delusion. I mean, think about this. Like the sand of the sea, that's a figure speech saying, uh, you can't count how many people he's gathered up. You, it's innumerable. It's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the world. And I think that's crazy. After the whole millennium, yeah, that people, after living under God, yeah, God is literally on the earth. He set up his capital city in Jerusalem. And they're still going to turn on God, knowing who God is? I think this is so crazy, and that's why I call this section the strong delusion. We don't know how long his delusion is going to go. We don't know you know, how long God is going to allow this, but we do know in verse 3, right? You remember back in verse 3? It said, for a little while. I don't know how long that is, but it's not going to be that long. It's going to be a short amount of time. And the other crazy thing is we read here in verse 8, to gather them for battle. Battle means, well, we're going to come with weapons, right? Remember the millennium, there's no war. It's peace. Remember like Micah 4.3 says, they beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Maybe they picked those up. As weapons, I don't know. Maybe they make weapons, but it's crazy how far Satan deceives them, and how far they make these thousands and thousands, thousands of people to this choice to go against God. How far they go, and then verse nine says they march now up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. Interesting, they march. Uh, most commentators believe like it's not just from the north, like Ezekiel 38, 39, but it's from all around, right? From the four corners of the earth. They all come from Satan's deception and influence all around to surround the city. Now, the camp of the saints is probably believers who are living outside of the city and set up their their uh, uh, some some quarters, living quarters there. Maybe there's wind of this happening and they're getting ready to... Uh, protect the city but but as we will see it's not really a battle here and the beloved city is jerusalem 
So Satan musters up an army to try and take God and the capital city. Jerusalem is the capital city. That's the center of worship. The temple was over there. There Everyone in the world will come and worship Jesus and God over there. So what we see here is this some sort of scam, some sort of deception Satan will use to bring in the last rebellion ever. And we don't know what Satan will say. We don't know what Satan, how Satan will con everybody. But you know what? We see here that Satan will find rich soil to sow seeds of rebellion. How is that? Well, we mentioned that before, right? Because there's still people living in their physical bodies. There's still a sin nature. But this has been a perfect world. This, everything's perfect. There's no crime. You can't blame what you do on, on your past hurt or someone did that to me. You can't get in, blame your addictions on, well, because I, you know, I'm trying to numb the pain. right? There's none of that. How can it happen? I like something John MacArthur, he, he said this, he answers it this way. The issue regarding salvation is never lack of information. It is a love of sin. I think that's the bottom line. The, the, the sin nature yeah, likes to sin, has a propensity to do wrong, to move into wrong. I mean, think about our children when they were small. Did we have to teach them yeah, to, to do wrong? No, they, they just do it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, children aren't taught to lie. They just end up doing it. We're all sinners, right? Passed down from the nature of Adam and Eve. Well, in that nature, we love sin, sadly. Think of how for a thousand years in the millennium, every single person will be exposed to the truth of God concerning Jesus Christ. Yeah? All the issues of sin and their flesh and, and how we need to be freed, right? And how Christ died on the cross to free us from the bondage of the flesh. The gospel is still going to be there. People are still going to be, become saved and, and receive eternal life. Those with their physical bodies. And all will know without a doubt Jesus is real. Yeah? All will know without a doubt that God is creator. They will know without a doubt the stories of, of, of creation and Old Testament and when Jesus first came. That truth will be out there. But you know what I think will ha- happen? I think what will happen is what Satan does today. He comes in probably with his criticisms about God. Yeah. Oh, God, he, he doesn't let you do what you want. Yeah. He comes in with his complaints, you know. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it makes everyone go to Jerusalem to worship what? Him? Yeah. He comes in with, with conspiracy theories, right? They, they, and they circle in your thoughts. Because they're like, ooh, what? What? They're, the, what? they're doing that to me? What God, right? I mean, it sounds like what happened in the tribulation with the Antichrist. So here's Satan again with the same strategy, playing the same song. Bringing the world, tempting people to go against God. Maybe it's like, oh, you're not really free to do what you like. Yeah. 
Maybe it's things like, oh, Jesus is such a hard nose. Yeah, I'm making you keep his laws of righteousness. Yeah? Yeah? God is keeping you from being yourself. you got to be you here. What do you mean, walk in godliness and all that? Yeah? You need to think about you. Forget about what the church says. You need to think about you. Things, things like that. Yeah? Perhaps I was thinking like how every new generation looks at the old generation, right? And it's like, ah, that's an old way of thinking. I was thinking about how, how when I was a teenager and I remember my, my parents would, uh, my mom would love to listen to, do you remember Muzak? <laughs> you know, I played in department stores and elevators. I was like, oh, that's so, well, I hate that. I want the rock and roll, you know, I want the drums and all that, right? I mean, we, that's, we tend, as a, a young generation, look at our parents and, oh, that's an old way of thinking. That's an old way of doing things. Oh, they're so, they're so strict on us. They had their hand, you know, they, they're keeping me from what I really want to do. What? They make you go to church? You know, perhaps it's those kinds of thoughts that Satan is influencing the world with this new, with this last generation. So this last generation becomes ripe for Satan's deceptions more than ever before. And so in this time, at the end of the millennium, this is what we see. The strong deception from Satan will play upon the sinful desires and thinking of those who never receive Jesus. If you receive Jesus, then something's gone on, yeah? The Holy Spirit opens your eyes, your blind eyes and ears to the truth of what we have. In and we, we, we eat it up, yeah? It's our food. The Holy Spirit witnesses that to our heart. But those Maybe these are people who never really received Christ. And so they are rejecting the things of God, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the church, rejecting even the government, a perfect government. And so Satan's like, ooh, ripe, these guys, yeah? So he goes out with this strong deception to play upon the sinful desires and the thinking of those who never received Jesus. You know, I, I recently was listening to this podcast with an interview of this Dr. Robert Epstein. He's a research scientist who's been studying the methods of influence the Internet has upon people and their thinking. And it was pretty revealing. I, and I was kind of understanding this anyway ever, ever since the, the uh, election, uh, Obama's election and media change and stuff. I was watching all that going on, but... But now, the, bringing in the internet and everything, I was kind of thinking of this, but, but he was saying some crazy things. For example, he reports how, how, the, how a Google church, a Google search, excuse me, a Google search, uh, is the search results, the hits are customized yeah. to uh, 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 maybe what your interests are or more likely what they want you to be interested in it and what they want you to buy. For example, he was talking about how um, Google search results um, easily shift voting preferences of undecided voters by 20% or more. 
That was, that was from his research. Uh, you know, when you research something on the internet, there's these algorithms, these programming, right, that control really what the first hits of what you see on the list. And, and it customizes things. And basically he's saying it customizes it so the, the big guys at Google, they make you think a certain way. Interesting. He, this um, this um, professor, he's documented how in the months leading up to the 2016 election, Google search results favored Hillary Clinton and had shifted two to three million votes. I was thinking, oh, that's crazy. And I was seeing that too I, in the news. I, I saw that way back, like I said in the um, <clears throat> Obama election during that, that time, everything. We saw the news shifting things. We, we know we've been seeing that. But think about just the internet and search results. And he's saying that's intentionally done to influence the thinking of people doing these search. No wonder the European Union has fined Google like 2.7 billion in 2017 for biased search results. So <clears throat> be careful of the internet. I've been telling you that anyway. Be careful of social media. Be careful what people say. Do your research. Yeah. Even Christians, I'll tell you. Did you know that <clears throat> even in a uh, side note, even in the, um, well, I guess it's part of it in this um, podcast, uh, it was mentioned that I think, uh, I forgot what the numbers, but it's probably more than half or so of Christian social media accounts are from foreign entities and are not Christian because they know how to bait Christians. They know how to get you, oh yeah, that's a little scripture and all that, and then push their agenda. It's crazy. I'll tell you, we live in an age where, where these tech companies, where whoever's in charge and in power, they can and will brainwash and control the thinking of society. That's what we're living. They, they, they influence belief. But you know what I see? This is exactly what Satan has been doing for centuries. Yeah. There's just more, more opportunity because of the Internet, because of all the information that is out there. This is exactly what he's going to do here. That's how I see he's going to influence and deceive so many thousands of people. Yeah. The, the, his target is the quote-unquote undecided. Those who are naive about what the Bible says. Those, those who, who, who are like more easily fooled and scammed even. Who, who are whole. I, I think in this whole pandemic, Christians have been ripe to go after false information because We've always lived on this board of conspiracy theories. I admit. I mean, I, I've always, I've talked to you guys individually when this started and, and why I believe what I believe. But I saw this change going on in my, my research and my time of study. And I, I've seen, we, we've, we've always, because of end time prophecy, well, we want to know what's going on here in other countries. And I would read news sites and blogs and things like that. But when this pandemic hit, I was like, whoa, I was reading things from Christians like, how can you verify that? How can you how can you say that? Well, some things that I know about, like things happen in our own state, 
They're manipulating it to say what they want to say against the country, the government, or churches, or people. So we've been right for, for all the conspiracy theories to, to grab hold of that and go. So be careful, you guys. Say, this is what Satan's been doing all these centuries. This is what he does now. He feeds off of your doubts, yeah? your, your negativity, your criticisms, especially when it comes to God, when it comes to even people who serve him. He knows the human simple flesh so well he plays upon it. He manipulates us. He tempts us. He convinces you that the way you think, the way your logic is seeing things, that that's it. That's what's going on. And sometimes we're pulled in emotionally or we're pulled in in our thinking and we're just taking this hook, line, and sinker and we're not stopping to think, to pray, to look at everything, to look at both sides. No matter who's saying, if I'm saying it, remember I always tell you, Acts 17, 11, you study and see what the Bible says. Satan, he plays upon us. And a lot of times, we, he knows that we're going to choose our own pleasures. He knows we're going to choose our wants. We're, he knows we're, we're going to choose our needs above God's truth and his will. So recognize this. What we're reading here, like I'm sitting here going, thinking about this this week, going, this is crazy. They're living in a perfect world, and then people are thousands and thousands, you know, more than the number of sand. I'm like, how does that happen? And I was thinking about it, thinking, oh, I know, it's happening now. It's happening to Christians now. Pulled into things that are not necessarily true. And I'll, I'll tell you the, the indication <clears throat> that you're there is, number one, suddenly that issue, whether it's government, pandemic, whatever it is, that becomes more important than Jesus. And I'll tell you the second thing. The second thing is that issue makes you hostile against those maybe talking about it, promoting it, whatever, whether it's government, whoever. And it makes you hostile Rather than, aren't we supposed to be a light and sharing the gospel and sharing the love of Christ? It takes you away from the gospel. Those are indications like, wait, watch out, maybe you cross the line. I'm not saying that we can't have opinions or, or what, what, what we see or what we believe. Just be careful of this line, this line, that you don't cross, that all of a sudden that thing becomes everything. I mean, some people get into prophecy even, and so much into prophecy, their prophecy becomes the idol. It's not, prophecy isn't bad, it's the word of God, it's about Jesus returning, but suddenly that's everything, and not Jesus. Some people, we, we, we get into, yeah, we don't like what government is doing, we're not like that, and we, we get and look what the Bible says, this is the princess of the Bible, we, yeah, we want that in society, we want to take that opportunity to voice our opinions, and, and we live in this country, we could do that, to vote, all of that, but sometimes we cross the line into this hostility where we forget the very ones we're supposed to be a witness and, and love into the kingdom, we are hating, and we're targeting and we cross that line. That's Satan. 
Does that describe maybe what's been going on? Understand, Satan knows how to play these head games with you. Sometimes it, it's it's even like like uh, um, um, maybe he'll play games with us. Like maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you're listening to, oh, don't be like your parents. Don't follow that old generation. And maybe we, we think that, oh, they're so hypocritical. Oh, I don't want to do anything about God. And, and it's sad. Of, of course, that's, that, yeah, they may be far from perfect, but that does not change the truth about Jesus Christ and God. Maybe Satan comes in here at the end of millennium and is blaming, yeah, us believers who are part of the administration of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. See, look at him. Look what, you know, I, I don't think, we'll, we'll have our glorified body, so <laughs> I don't know if we'll really make a mistake, you know. But we might be blamed for something, but whatever that is, it does not change the truth about God and Jesus Christ and our sin. Here, let me give you one more thing. You know, one major thing that Satan does play upon, and I think we all relate to this, is he plays upon your doubts. He plays upon your fears. He plays upon your pain. And then he he takes those things, whatever that is, either a doubt or a fear or pain or all of that, and then he, he like traps those things in your mind. That's how I pictured it. And, and it just rolls around in your mind and, and then it gets to you and then and it, it gets inside of you and then you start getting real emotional about it. Then, you, then it starts to get, oh, oh and then it, it touches that part of your sinful flesh and then you, you respond, you act all that out. And most of the time, a lot of people end up moving away from God at that point and not doing what God wants. We're moving away to, to what they justified and, and what, what uh, yeah, and, see, and even using the scripture. But in the end, all the hurt that comes out, all the hurt that is caused, all the division, it's really just following the devil. And you've been conned. You've been scammed. I was thinking about this. I don't want to be like that, yeah. I don't want to be like these people in this who take part of this last rebellion who fall under the strong deception. Let's go on to number three. The season finale. The season finale. And this is the rest of our verses this morning from the second part of verse 9 and verse 10. It says here in verse 9, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Verse 10, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is it. This is the season finale. This is the final, final, final end of Satan. Next season is, is what we're going to see is a whole new heaven and earth. That's what's coming. But in this season finale, Satan is done. And, and, and so he comes in verse 9, uh, like before, right? He comes with the army of people against the Lord Jesus. And what happens? Just like Armageddon. 
The, the battle is over before it even starts. The battle is more like an execution in the judgment of God. Fire comes down, verse 9 says. It came down from heaven. God just, just brought fire and it consumed them. It ate them up. It destroyed them. And, and I could picture maybe all these armies around Jerusalem, right? I could, I could picture a ring of fire around Jerusalem. Maybe coming down and going out. Yeah, protecting Jerusalem and that uh, beloved city. And so here, every unbeliever was killed just like that in an instant there. They chose not to follow Jesus, not to follow God, but Satan and the consequences of that were very grave. Philippians 3.19 says their end is destruction. It's talking about false teachers. Same thing. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with mindset on earthly things. And so then the devil in verse 10 who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. That, and we're going to be getting more into that next time because next week we're going to get into the great white throne of judgment and that's coming up again. Uh, here, there, uh, he's thrown into that lake of fire and sulfur. Sulfur, it's a, it's a new word, translated word for like brimstone. The old King James is brimstone, basically talking about a burning and, and smoke and suffering. So Satan finally gets what's coming to him and this is the consequences for all his evil. He's thrown into the lake of fire. And it's the same place where the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, is his assistant there, where they were. We saw that at the end of Rome, uh, Revelation 19. And there, take note here, at the end of verse 10, and there they, all of them, Satan included, will be tormented. He will suffer. He'll be tormented. He's not going to sit on a throne down in hell and rule this kingdom of hell. He's going to be tormented. He's going to suffer. And it's going to be a suffering, it says here, day and night, 24 hours, 24-7, yeah? It will not let up. And how long? Don't you love this? Forever and ever, for the rest of eternity. This is it, the final, final end of Satan. And what I like, we don't read, well, like like we saw, after the thousand years, he was re released. It's not like, well, after forever and ever, he's released. No, it's forever and ever. He's done for. No more. His power, reign of evil, is over. I want you to listen to how Henry Morris put it. It's not going to be on your screen because I just want you to listen here. Henry Morris put, put it this way. Here's the final end of the primeval cherub. The highest angel of all, the rebellious son of the morning, who wanted to exalt his own throne above God's throne, the great blasphemer, the idol, the false god, the breaker of God's rest, the rebel against his father, the murderer from the beginning, the robber, the great adulterer, the father of lies, the coveter of divine worship, the one who is the very antithesis of the holy and gracious God, the devil will finally be cast forever into outer darkness. Makes you want to clap. You can clap. Amen, right? This is it. 
So our last point is the season finale is finally reached when at the end of the millennium, Satan is finally put away forever. Finally, forever. You know, to me, I was trying to think, he's crazy, right? I mean, we some of us, we've talked about, well, did Satan know that Jesus is going to die on a cross and that that you know, Satan's all his strategy to, to kill him is actually going to be good because it's going to bring salvation. Did Satan know that? You know? After in the beginning, right? Does, doesn't Satan know what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation? He's going to be thrown in jail. And then at this point, at the end of millennium, he's going to be cast in the lake of fire forever. Doesn't Satan know that? I mean, I've heard people say, and I've said it myself, that Satan knows the scripture better than us. He knows how to manipulate that. That's why there's so much cults and, and, and other like so-called Christian religions that aren't. He knows how to twist the truth. Doesn't he know that this is going to happen? You know what I was thinking about is um, how some people, they just won't admit yeah, to their wrong or their crimes. Just last year, um, this... Um, a young woman named Anna Sorokin. You might have heard her story. She was released from prison for good behavior, serving four years of a 12-year sentence. She was convicted for the for for a bunch of um, larceny, a bunch of crimes. Uh, basically, she was convicted of fraud and scamming banks, hotels, and friends of a total of around $275,000. She pretended to be this German uh, Harris. Uh, under the name Anna Delvey from 2013 to 2017, she poised herself, positioned herself as some rich socialite living this lavish lifestyle in New York until she got caught. Now, um, she was let released and then she's currently, uh, she was arrested by ICE and awaits deportation because not, she's not really a citizen. But the crazy thing for me, I, I saw this story about her and so I watched some YouTube uh, uh, this interview actually was on a 60 Minutes from Australia with her and the crazy thing to me is she said that oh I'm not dumb I'm not a greedy person and she she says I never had a fraudulent intent and even in the interview she goes no I never committed a crime though she was convicted of that and I'm thinking how can she even say that I mean the evidence is overwhelming the, her friends that talk about it, uh, the, the things that she did in her story. It, to me, it's like, how can someone say that? Something about, you know what? It's like Satan. It seems to me it's her pride that is blinding her. I mean, you got to wonder about that. How can he be in his right mind? Well, he's not, right? But how can he, knowing his end, that Satan be so relentless? To go out and deceive everyone again, knowing what's written here. It's because of his pride. And I believe his pride, and maybe his lies even deceive himself, but I believe it's his pride. Because knowing the truth, like this lady, Anna, knowing the truth, won't accept it. Even knowing the end, Satan knows, he's not going to acknowledge it. And he's still going to maybe take everyone down with him. It's just pure pride, pure wicked pride to not give in and submit to God. I'm not submitting to God no matter what. I'm not going to submit. I know, even knowing the truth. 
That's Satan. Even knowing Jesus is Lord God, but he hates Jesus so much. And in his pride, he hates him, and he's not going to submit all the way to the end to be thrown in the lake of fire. That's what I think is going on here. That brings him to his end. You know, it makes me think about, are we like that? So full of pride that you resist what God is trying to show you. You're so full of pride, you resist what God is convicting you about. So full of pride, that all the way to the end, you are going to resist. You will not submit. Even knowing the truth, you will not give in. You will not be humbled. You will not be shamed. Even up to your deathbed. Is that how it's going to be? Let's not be like the devil here. Let's submit. Let's surrender. Let's give our heart to Jesus Christ. Let's lay down our pride at the foot of the cross. And there we find deliverance from that pride. We find deliverance from ourself. And you know what? From the devil himself who knows how to deceive and tempt you. Jesus is calling out, to every one of us right now. We don't want Satan. We don't want to allow Satan to be our master anymore. I'll close with this. There was this man who had struggled with his addiction to alcohol his whole life. And, and praise the Lord, someone shared Jesus Christ. He came to Jesus. He gave him his life. And he was freed like that from his sin. Someone noticed a little later the incredible change in his life and asked this man, So, you've mastered the devil at last. Well, this saved man replied, No, it's not that at all. But it is that. Now I have the master over the devil. (laughs) I love that. I like that. The Lord Jesus is the master over the devil, over all things. And that's who we have in our lives. There's going to come a time when the devil will never able to be do his evil ever again because Jesus is the master, because Jesus is God. And God will put a stop to him in what we learned today, the last rebellion. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord God, forgive us, Lord, for the idols that we have set up in our life our own pride, Lord, our own selfishness, God. Forgive us for giving in to the temptations and the the whispering voice of the devil, being distracted and pulled away from what is important, you, Jesus, your love for the lost, our mission here on earth, God. Lord, help us to stay balanced and and not cross the line where, Lord, we end up doing His will, fulfilling what He wants and destroying us and destroying those around us. But, Lord, we want to cling to You. God, I pray that You would just clear our minds from all the noise. Lord, there's so much noise on the Internet, on the news, on social media, and sometimes it's just overwhelming to me. Well, Lord, may you bring us clarity through your word and the truths of your word and realizing these strategies that our enemy has done and played over and over and over again throughout the centuries. God, we don't want to play into him, God. 
but we want to stand for you, Jesus. And Lord, I want to thank you for your grace, God, for I do not deserve to be here right now, to stand here, God, to be with your people, to be saved, Lord. God, I am a sinner. I've failed you many times. I've I've fallen into the temptation and the delusion and the deception of Satan so many times. But a God I know is my choice for my own sinful flesh. And so we all together, God, ask for your forgiveness and cleansing right now. And we thank you for your grace that you've done so much. You've stuck by us, God. You've been there for us. Even in our seasons of delusion, God. Lord, that is your love. And thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here today and bringing us more clarity, Lord, of how you work, how the enemy works. And and may we grow from this. May we live differently. May we see things differently. May we be more cautious in, in the influences that are around us. Oh, Lord, we just want to be with you and worship you. We just want to remember, God, not the ugliness and the craziness of this world, but we want to remember how wonderful and beautiful and how powerful you are and have been in our lives. So we bow down to you, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.